Tuning In to Fire and Wine podcast, where the two best friends that anyone could have hit the bottle and nerd out over their favorite books, television series, and movies. So let's get started. Sam. And we're back with episode three of The Witcher Betrayer Moon. Betrayer Moon. <laughs> I like how you just don't know what to say, so you break into song. It's been an interesting couple of weeks for us. We've been trying to record this one for a while, but obviously with the world events going on, it's been a little difficult. So now we finally figured out we can record from our own houses and respect the social distancing guidelines that we're supposed to be respecting because we're all in fucking quarantine. So today, Barb, I'm actually drinking a Trader Joe's, like their two buck chuck wine. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually drinking a white wine today. It's Charles Shaw 2018 Pinot Grigio. I mean, it's okay. It's cheap and I got a case of it, so. It's <laughs> Quarantine rules. You got to war- quarantine. Mean, like, survival of the fittest at this point. Whatever you can find <laughs> that you can buy a you lot. Buy. Of, you buy it. Because let me tell you what I'm drinking. Well, first, I had a vodka Red Bull. I was a little sleepy. Even though I slept till 12, I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> so I was like, let me wake the hell up. I am drinking Bada Box. <laughs> it's yes. Bada Box. Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, so I think Sauvignon. it's a 2018. I don't know, but it does what it needs to do. Today, yeah, we're talking about The Witcher. This is actually episode three of the show. It's called Betrayer Moon. You know, I kind of want to talk about the symbols that are shown on the screen with the title of the show. The episode opens with a symbol. It's like a clawed footprint that incorporates a Temerian lily. This is supposed to actually represent the Striga, who is the daughter princess Ada of Tamiria. The scene opens up in Tamiria and it's going to focus on a boy who's dying. So you see his throat slashed. And I thought it was kind of funny rewatching this episode. I'm like, why is he talking like all this story? You're dying. Just die. Like people go into these long <laughs> monologues when they're dying. I don't understand it. Like you got your throat Just give me for something for the pain and let me die. Thank you. Go out like Bobby <laughs> B. Like wh- you had your throat slashed and you're like a 13 year old boy and you're speaking prophecy. Shut the fuck up. You don't even just die. Okay. Sorry. I had to say right. that. That's not real life. It's Nobody not. would do that. It's, it's not. So as he's dying, he says, it comes on a full moon to feed. And then you see a, another witcher who's not Gerald. It's just another witcher from his, what, what is it called? His um, his school, the school of wolf. So he shows up in the background. He's just kind of looming in the dark. His name is Remus. Remus? Remus. Remus. And I'm not going to say the actor's real name because I will fuck that up. Okay, hold on. Let me try. Gudmundur Thorvaldalsen. He's a Viking. So he's wearing the same, obviously, the wolf medallion that Gerald wears. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. Just give me 3,000 Orin now. And I was like, what is an Orin? Because the money changes a lot, which, you know, whatever. I guess it's kind of like Europe. There's small individual countries maybe all together on the continent. And I was like, is 3,000 Orin, is that a lot of money? Is that a little bit of money? I did a little bit of investigating. Okay, so in the game, The Wild Hunt, you earn crowns and not orns. It took a lot of contracts to get up to 3,000 crowns, like a dozen maybe. And I'm not sure how crowns convert Mm. to orns. So like in the last episode, Geralt was paid 150 ducat to kill the Sylvan 
or the devil. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, what is what? So a ducat is a gold coin of unknown origin, and it has been known to be used in Sintra, Cadwin, Aridin, and Skillage. And then there's the crown. So that's used in Redea, Brugi, Karak, and Sidaris. And then they have like crowns of coppers. 100 coppers is a crown. So Orin is a currency used in Tamaria. There's probably no way to to justify the equalization of the currency being used. It just depends on where you are. Where you are. Yeah, it's like, you know, like the dollar to the euro. Or... I kind of wish they maybe took time to explain that in the show. Because when he's like, give me 3,000 Orin, I'm like what is that like where are we now like how much is that equal to because it's that's not a currency you've heard before right so it makes you think he's getting paid maybe this astronomical amount and then you know the things that happen afterwards so i feel like three thousand is like a hefty fee to get paid he got he only made 150 ducat ducat Ducat. Yeah, he only got paid 150 ducat to kill the devil. So, but uh, again, the difference between the devil and and Sylvan, and we'll get into that later, like how, what a Sylvan is. So uh, we'll just keep it moving. So it comes back to Geralt and he's just in a three day bender with a prostitute. Get it, Geralt. How bad do you think that room smelled? Oh, that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it had like gross, like sex smell plus incense plus non-washed bodies for three days? That's disgusting. Like stinky vagina. Like. Yes. And then, like, old dirty plates, like, piled up on the side and, like, rotten food and... I want to see the plates in the Dorito bags and... <laughs> <laughs> 17 candles of all different I mean, smells. Because, coming on the door, he's like, when are you going to leave? So, obviously, he's been in there for a while. Like, anyway, so this prostitute's like, hey, Geralt, did you hear about the witcher who was paid for services and took off with the money without completing the job? And Geralt's like, how dare you? That never happens. Who the fuck? Who said this? I need to go and investigate. And then he has to pay for his sexy times, but he can't. So he's like, I'm gonna leave you my horse. And the guy's like, you think I'm afraid of you? And Geralt's like, yes, you are afraid of me. I'll fuck you up if you fuck my horse up. And Rocha's like, bitch, you don't need to protect me. You don't need to protect me. I'm a grown ass horse. I am sorry. I'm drunk. (laughs) Okay. First of all, first of all, first of all, how are you going to hire a prostitute for three days when you have no money? Girl's like, oh, we'll worry about that later. I'll pay with my monster. I'll pay with my. (laughs) And then, and then he has the nerve to offer up Roach. Roach was probably like, "What the fuck?" She's probably like, "Bitch, you are not leaving me." not collateral can you imagine how offended you would feel if he's like look i can't pay for all the sexy time i just had so i'm gonna leave you and you're like excuse me yeah i'm like hey barb hey look i couldn't pay up for this so i just need you to hang around for a couple days and then you're like threatening the guy like don't fuck with my horse and he's like i'm afraid of you and then you just like stare at him who's to guarantee that horse is safe although rose could probably fend for herself so Geralt, he's all like, you know, I'll be back. And he rolls out because he obviously he's like an investigator. He's like, let me go dun, 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 save the day and figure he's out what's like, going on. It's like, I got to save my brotherhood and my name because that's not the, that's not the Witcher way. That's not the code of the Witchers. Like, what do you freaking care? Like, nobody's holding some, Geralt's the only one upholding some type of moral code. No one else gives a fuck. Sorry. I keep interrupting. So Geralt, he reaches Tamaria. And the people there are, they're furious. Well, in the show, there's like 12 miners that are mad. I'm like, <laughs> the whole town's supposed the to be angry about this. The whole town is enough people and it's like 12 dudes. So Astrigo's running around the streets, killing people. The Witcher ran off with all their money. And Geralt's like, I'm sorry. 
I'll do this for a third of the price, which I would have been like, I'm not paying you a goddamn thing because I just paid this full <laughs> money. And now you want to come up here. I'd be like, no, you guys are running some like little scheme thing going on and I'm not paying uh, anybody anything right now. So, but he was like, no, 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 he's like, no, you don't have to pay me. You can pay, right no, now. he's like, you can pay me when pay I'm me, done. Pay me, pay me when I'm done. But I, but I still got to pay you. That's my problem. I'm like, I'm not, no. And push comes to shove though. I think that <laughs> Tris is the one fronting the money out of all of this. Speaking of Tris, she rolls in and she's a Tamerian sorceress. And she's the one who enlists the help of Geralt to cure the princess of Tamiria of her Striganess. Striganess. Cure her, her of curse. her Striganess. So, I mean, to be clear... <laughs> Tris doesn't want Geralt to actually kill the Striga. She's like, don't kill her. Do not, under any circumstance, kill that bitch. We kind of get like a brief background from Tris. And she's like, look, the Striga started killing people six years ago. Everyone figured out like this creature lived in the crypts of this castle where the king's sister is buried. And uh, some back and forth. I'm not really going to get into that. But so basically, Tris offers Geralt 2,000 Orin if he can identify the creature in the crypts. So she's going to pay him like 1,000 Orin less than they paid the other guy to go kill it just to identify. It. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense now that you say it. <laughs> that literally made no sense. Just go in there and tell me what it is. You don't have to do anything. Just look at it. Smell it. Smell the room. <laughs> so Geralt's like, cool. That's 2000 Orin. Just tell you what it is. Done. Sign my name. And so, like, I think Remus's dead body is in salt to preserve it yeah, is it what like it. it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. And Geralt gets like pissed. And he's like, you didn't want the people to know it bested a witcher. So you let them believe you fled with their coin. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Geralt briefly examines Remus. Like he shoves his hand up his dead corpse. Okay. Sir, you need to put a glove on. We are in hard times right now. You can't just shove your fist into someone's corpse. <laughs> right into <laughs> an orifice. That's not, that's not. That's not socially acceptable anymore. Geralt realizes that the heart and the liver are missing. And he states that the only creature that is, quote, that picky enough of an eater is a Striga. So he didn't even need to go in the cribs. He's like, look, give me my 2000 Orin now. I know what it is. A Striga, bah. But I do want to note real quick in the book, The Last Wish, Geralt does say that, quote, the heart and liver were, for her, valuable reserves of nutrition for the long period spent in lethargic sleep. So a Striga is a human woman transformed into a monster by a curse (laughs) can we get any more sexist (laughs) i call that my uh menstrual cycle so (laughs) let me continue she is filled with hatred towards all living beings devouring them without a second thought i mean is that not your menstrual cycle (laughs) that sounds like a certain time of the month to me it's pretty accurate it's not oh and it only comes on a full moon (laughs) okay the this man who wrote this knows a female body and i'm not hating it i agree 100 percent. so she <laughs> you know she comes out on the full moon to hunt she fights with incredible speed and strength king foltis would sometimes tie the criminals up to stakes in the ground and they would serve as a meal for the beast so that's a pretty intense punishment you know that kind of reminds me of like the village the, um, yeah, the movie The Village, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And they would make, like, sacrifices to the, quote, beast in the woods or whatever. Even though there's no beast in the woods, it was them all along because they're... What a fun. twist! M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. In order to lift the curse on Astriga, someone must, quote, prevent the Striga from returning to her coffin by the third crowing of the rooster. Then she would be cured, turning into an ordinary little girl. You know, after, I guess... 
I don't know, just just some background information I found. So life after the curse. So after a person has been cured from the Striga, there is a chance that the person will not fully recover mentally, keeping part of the vicious and somewhat dull-witted nature of her previous Striga form. However, there is the implication that this is specific to Ada's case. Being cursed before birth, she would have had no exposure to humanity, and thus she had to learn like her speech, proper right. behavior, etc. at a much older mm-hmm. age than normal. I can see that. Right, because she, she's been a Striga her whole entire life. She so has she no doesn't... idea what to be a human is how to talk and walk mm-hmm. you know but there also is a chance of relapse they could turn back into a striga oh God. so in order to prevent this um the striga has to wear sapphire amulets and participate in rituals designed to ward off the curse that's a lot of work so not only was i a beast but now i have to like wear special necklaces and like dance around fire pits every night to like stop that from happening okay melisandre <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> The fire god. Necklace. <laughs> I take the necklace off. I become a striga. A crossover. <laughs> George R. R. Martin finds some more content. George R. R. Martin could people. never. He could never. Real quick, I found that information off the Witcher fandom uh, wiki site. If you guys are interested, you can look it up there. I love the wiki sites. So do I. They it's really so much just. Information. And you know what? I do donate to wiki sites. There you um, go. Like every time they have like the poor bitch, sorry. (laughs) No, like you, like like people should like give an extra like you just like a buck or two and you just donate it like once a year and Mm -hmm. it helps like fund their site. So and I feel like our podcast runs off of Wiki, so I always try to make sure that I make a donation in our name. That's a good point. Maybe I should do that. So Triss and Geralt are now at this castle where the Striga live. King Foltis like fled this castle a long time ago. He was like, I'm fucking out. This bitch down Mm -hmm. here killing people. I'm not living here. <laughs> Bye. So this castle, like no one lives there except the Striga, who's down in the crypts below the castle. And Triss ends up finding a letter from Queen Sansia, who's Foltest and Ada's mom. And she's cursing them for their affair. Oh, we're getting some Game of Thrones themes in here. Why must there always be incest <laughs> with brother really and sister? That, are we really that attracted to our siblings? I don't think so. Like, Do we no. not have anything else to talk about? There like, are any other so storylines to pitch? Okay, but look, as uh, you gotta look at like these life as like royalty, even in the fantasy realm, there are so many people around you all the time. You have to pick your sibling. You right. absolutely have to be like, that's the one. It's not love is blind. You can go out there and find... <laughs> Don't get me started on a fucking show. I'm doing so much shit right now. Okay, um, but yeah, it's like, you're surrounded by people. Like, there are people, like, in other houses. There... Maids. Chamber potsmen. I mean, whatever the hell. Chamber potsmen. <laughs> you come in there and dump my dookie. Hey, what's up? You gotta Anyone. go for your sister, your sister. I don't under. I feel like that's just reaching for content and shock value at that point. I'm like, we're already shocked. We got Strigas, we got Kiki Mora, we got people with purple eyes and hunchbacks who just morph into like this beautiful creature. We got half beastmen and witches and vampires. You gotta give me incest too. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't have time for that. Rant done. Ada is the sister of King Foltest. She's dead. Like she, she gone. She died. She's dead She's as dead. a doornail. Ada and her brother had an incestuous relationship that resulted in a pregnancy. This child was cursed and both mother and child died after the birth. So Foltis ordered that the two be buried in the royal vault beneath his palace in Vizima, Vizima which Vizima. is the capital of Tamaria. So in the book, this child is described 
as, quote, Only a few saw what she bore, but one midwife jumped from the tower window to her death, and the other lost her senses and remains dazed to this day. So I gather that the royal bastard, a girl, was not comely, and she died immediately. No one was in a hurry to tie the umbilical cord, nor did Ada, to her good fortune, survive the birth. And that I pulled from The Last Wish, page 10. A little discrepancy, I feel like, between the book and the show. In the show, I think Ada died pregnant. But in the book, she, she gave birth and died. Birth, didn't she? I thought she died pregnant in the show. Like, she died and she was pregnant. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Because then they left her and then the, the Striga baby like, came. Burst forth. Bursted from her like the alien. In the show, seven years later, after the death of Ada, um, their daughter came back to life, but as a Striga. The curse was eventually, after another seven years, lifted, and the young princess was named Ada after her mother. She's known as Ada the White. Why do we have to come up with these names? Black Betha, Ada the White. Like, can we just not? Can we just not? Brenda like, the Ginger. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I did find like an answer why they named her Ada the White. She's nicknamed, quote, the White because the color of her hair turned white after the curse was removed by Geralt. So that helped distinguish her Ada the White from her mom, like OG Ada, Ada Tamiria. So she's a Targaryen. She is. And she has white hair like Geralt does. Boom. Bada boom, bada bing. We're picking back up on the show now. Geralt and Triss take this info to Ostrit, the king's courtier, and Geralt tells him that he smelled. <laughs> he smelled Ostris's sex sense <laughs> all over Nasty. his bed. So Geralt now knows what it smells like to be on a three-day sex binge, and you walk in on that state. So payback, Bro. I think so. But now it's like probably thirty years old. Not really, but maybe like twelve. <laughs> It's a 12-year-old, three-day sex bed. <laughs> basically, basically, if y'all didn't catch this, Geralt was in there sniffing the sheets. He was sniffing the sheets. Sniffing Geralt. the sheets. He's a sneak sniffer. sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> Picking up on the old sense and the new sense. <laughs> what? what who, who, who was laying in that bed? <laughs> right. This this girl been dead for 14 years. So, Who's so laying in that bed? he's like, I smell your old sense and I smell your new sense. So Ostris was laying in the bed touching himself in present day. And back in the day. He'd been oh, doing this God. for like a long time. So Ostrich basically, he's going to lose his shit and starts yelling at Geralt. Falstice had no right. He seduced Ada, abused his position. He's always nagging her for attention. He didn't love her, I did. He spoiled her with his seed. He refuses to kill the Striga. And this mirrors what's found in Ostrich's journal in the game. Okay, so there's a Striga quest in, in the game. Like a bonus or like a hidden thing is when you open up the crypt, there's this note. And in the game, it reads, quote, I curse you falstice and i hope you rot amidst worms in hell i curse your incestuous deeds your sister ada deserved this i implore destiny to render the child born of your lechery as monstrous as you if the witch spoke truly you will soon taste my vengeance i need only prepare the ingredients and utter the words thrice some say that not even the words are necessary that hatred alone suffices know that my hatred is fierce so that does kind of give us like a little bit of information on how the curse is made or created, which we don't necessarily get a lot of this information out of the show. So I think it's nice to be able to pull from both the book and the game and the show together to kind of help explain the storyline of what's going on. In the show, we find out that Ostrich is the one who cursed Ada, although he said that he wanted to hurt the king, but I feel like he didn't really hurt the king, he hurt Ada. In the book, it's it's also interesting to note that it's not known if it was Ostrich or the queen who ended up cursing 
hurting them. The book never really tells you who it was, but at least in the show, Ostrich's like, no, it was me. I did it, motherfucker. So Geralt's pretty much this whole time trying to get Ostrich to tell... Ostrich? Ostrich. To tell him how to lift the curse. Ostrich is refusing to tell him. And he says, Falstice will watch as Temeria turns against him, just as he turned Ada against me. So... He has an agenda. Obviously a serious agenda. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of, that's kind of brilliant, but that's kind of fucked up at the same time. Like, you loved this woman, quote, love this woman. So since she didn't love me the way that I love her, I'm going to curse her and then turn her lover's kingdom against him. And that will show them. Ha ha ha. Like, what's the- a little extreme. Right. It's a little extreme. Just tell everyone they're incestuous, and then he'll be overthrown, probably. Right. Just spread rumors, like what everybody else does. You didn't need. You didn't need to create a striga and kill a bunch of people. Like, dude, you need a restraining yeah. order. So we kind of do see flashbacks of Fultis and Ada as children, and they are with their parents at some ball of some sort. I didn't pick up on this until I rewatched it a couple times, and I'm like, holy shit! And that's when it started dawning on me, like, we were going back and forth between timelines, because I'm an idiot. The problem I have is because you don't really know what Fultis and Ada looked like as kids that much, because you really right. only saw them, like, once before, so then all of a sudden they're flashing forward to, like, these kids again, and you're like, who the fuck are these kids? Because I think that this was the same ball that Yennefer ends up coming in later Mm -hmm. and she after her transformation Mm -hmm. so it all does tie together the same storyline but you're just like you're like who the fuck are these kids and Fulstice is like playing with Ada's ear like what is I don't know what he's doing he's like touching her tickling her her and shit yeah and the queen snaps at him and she's like leave your sister alone the great foreteller there right like foreshadowing for sure forever leave your sister alone stop touching her so we cut scene and we're with um, Geralt and he's talking to Fulstice they're in front of like this old that old castle that Fulstice like rolled out of. And Geralt's like, look, this isn't the first time I try to save a princess that others thought was a monster. And he's referring to Renfrey. And then he like digs into his his sword bag and he pulls out a quote gift for Ada, the princess. Um, he's like, look, if I if I don't make it, like give this to her. And it, I think Barb, I don't know what you think. I, I thought it was an amulet that he was like pulling out, possibly a sapphire amulet to help ward off her restaging back into Astriga, like after it's finished. Or it was it something that maybe belonged to Renfrey that he took from her? Like I'm not really sure. The show doesn't show you like it's just a quick glimpse of like part of it. But I would like to believe it's like a sapphire amulet that he's giving to the princess. I thought, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'll have to go back and watch like the first episode with Renfrey. I feel like it was the necklace that Renfrey was wearing. Okay. Maybe it had, yeah. had like a sapphire in it because it was a familiar item. It wasn't like a random thing. I think it was something that, I think it was hers because he did take something from her. He took her necklace. And that would make sense of him referring to Renfrey like this isn't the first time I had to save a princess. Right. And then he pulls out Renfrey's item. So Don't quote me on it don't quote me on it I... and then now at this point in the show we're getting into Geralt trying to lift the curse in the striga this was a really cool scene though i was excited for this to finally get some excitement anytime we get a fight Again. scene like barb and i are freaking yeah. like hyped for it you know <laughs> Yes. Just seeing Geralt in action um, and like using his skills and his signs and his all the things that he's been training for. It's it's amazing to see on screen. I think they've really done a great job with the fight scenes for sure. To set up the fight scene, I just want to read a passage quickly from the book. This is from The Last Wish, page 25. Quote, he sat motionless, his eyes closed, his breathing at first even suddenly quickened, became rasping and tense, then stopped completely. The mixture which helped the Witcher gain full control of his body was chiefly made up of veritrum, stronomonium, 
hawthorne, and spurge. The other ingredients had no name in any human language. For anyone who is not, like Geralt, noon to it from childhood, it would have been lethal poison. I was curious about these plants that Geralt's been drinking. You always see him, like, in trouble, and he pulls out his little shot, his little shot glass. He's like, oh, shit, it's time. It's like, what are you drinking, boo? Let me... <laughs> I, I, like, is that a five-hour energy like, shot? Just, like, what about the rest of us? <laughs> like, like, bro, can I get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna die anyways. I go with these plants. Oh, yeah. So, this is what I found. The leaves, berries, and flowers of hawthorn are used to make medicine. Hawthorn is used for diseases of the heart and blood vessels, such as congestive heart failure, chest pain, and irregular heartbeat. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense because if he wants to slow down his heart, hawthorn would probably be the one to like slow mm-hmm. his heart rate down. Veratrum right. species contain highly toxic highly guys highly toxic steroidal alkaloids they activate sodium ion Ah. channels and they cause rapid cardiac failure and death if ingested so what's the positive side of that the author he's genius it goes back to the book he says it would have been lethal poison for anyone who wasn't immune to it the other potion or this mixture of potion enough toxic fumes in me i could drink it it just lights you on fire Strenmonium has been used in various treatments of traditional medicine or drug abuse, as well as hallucinogens and a delirium that is taken for intense visions. It contains tropane alkaloids, which produce a (laughs) hallucinogenic properties and may be highly toxic. Finally, the last one is spurge. It's a weed. Because of the plant's toxicity, it should not be included in any homemade herbal preparations or remedies it should only be used externally and in very small quantities as a treatment for warts what the hell do we need that for <laughs> hold on hold on i'm about to answer that when the plant's toxins are absorbed they cause oh i gotta protect myself against warts no the they, they cause grogginess <laughs> they affect the circulatory system and in, inducing sweats and dilating the pupils which wow. we know that Gerald's eyes turn make black. You blind? Well, no, because when your pupils dilate, you can see in the dark better. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Every time I get my pupils dilated, the doctor, I can't see shit. Well, because you're in the sunlight, you're like in the daytime. But it was at nighttime. Oh, so if and I go in the dark, I'm like a cat. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <gasps> I'm gonna do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this. I'm gonna d- dance around in the dark and be like I'm the witch. <laughs> <laughs> just put some. Just drink some spurge. Apparently. I mean, the spurge. Drink your <laughs> spurge. Drink some wart treatment. You got it. A little comparison stake between the show and the original Witcher game is you have the opening scene in the game and Geralt's preparing to cure the Striga. He's got Ostrich tied up and you can see the silver chains and his potions all lined up. His silver sword and of course you'll see the red-haired monstrous Striga. And in comparison with the show, they very they tied that in, I think, pretty tight. So you get the opening scene in the show with his, his big battle with the Striga coming up. You see the Striga coming down the stairs. Geralt rounds this corner, slow motion, holding his silver chains. I was so excited finally to get a battle scene. Me again. too. Like, and then like this <laughs> opening really scene was so formidable. I'm like, oh yes, bring it, Geralt. Felt like it was like like a wrestling match. You know, like the two it people was. were like coming down like the it ramps. Was. It was. <laughs> it was, and it was it was kind of really cool to see also a a monster from the book and from the game that looks so lifelike. Yeah, and it didn't. It wasn't 
wasn't CGI, obviously, as a lot of, you know, FX makeup and everything like that. But it was really well done. Like, the whole fight scene was just so, like, I was on the edge of my seat for that. Like, you didn't know, I mean, obviously, you know, Geralt's not going to die. He's got, like, a whole storyline to live out, but. Right. He cuts right. it close. He cuts it close. <laughs> He, and, yeah, he does. He he gets his ass handed to him in this fight. Yeah. And I like those kind of fights, too, because, you know, we had this, the fight scene from the first episode where he just went in completely dominated and kicked ass. But now you're actually seeing him like he's not such a great fighter against a lot of these monsters. He's going to get his ass beat. Right. So, like, I like that that they bring up the fact that, okay, yeah, Geralt's a witcher, but he's also, huh, he's human. Like, he's not Superman. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, he's still, he's gonna bleed, he's gonna hurt, he's gonna bruise, he's gonna break ribs. He's gonna get his ass kicked. And that's why he's like, look, you gotta pay me, you know? Like, that's why he gets paid to do mm-hmm. what he does, because he can still get killed in the end. He's not just some superhero right. rolling around, fighting things, you know, just for the hell of it. No, like, he's, because exactly. nobody else can do it, and he's getting paid for it, but he can very much die, just like you or me. And I do like this comparison comparison that you put in here from the book because this is where I was up I, I I know I said I was reading the books this is kind of where I stopped in the books and I haven't been able to pick it back up because I've just been busy but in the book where Geralt has this big fight scene with the Striga which is I will say the book the book scene with the Striga fights very spot on with the show yeah uh, minus a few of the little my the other details that you mentioned before but the the whole the whole scene that he has between him and the Striga is very spot the only on. the only difference is the the look of the Striga. So right. in the in the show, the Striga is more like venomous. I feel like claws and fangs and like these black spiky things coming out of her. But in the in the book, she's more like hairy. Because it's not necessary. I mean, you're right with the whole hairy thing. Because I feel like in the book, she's more like sticky. <laughs> she's like, she's bloody. And like, so in the book, they describe the Striga as having a disproportionately large head set on a short neck was surrounded by a tangled curly halo of reddish hair. Her eyes shone in the darkness like an animal. The Striga stood motionless, her gaze fixed on Geralt. Suddenly she opens her jaws as if proud of her rows of pointed white teeth, then snapped them shut with a crack, like a chest being closed, and left slashing at the witcher with her bloody claws. That's minus the hair. That's amazing. Minus the hair. Minus the hair though. That was spot on. Yeah. Spot on. Because like, yeah, because I mean, this entire time that I'm watching the show version of the Striga, I'm thinking like alien, but like she does like come around the corner and she's like, like making Mm -hmm. her little noise. And yeah, she's like snapping her jaw shut and closed and like looking at Geralt like, we gonna fight day, like she don't have no fucking neck. Right? Yeah. No. Like I like I'm like my shoulders are hunched. Like she's like <laughs> looking at you. She's like <laughs> she's like we're gonna fight today. I mean, oh, and Barb like basically Geralt's getting his ass kicked. Like just yeah. up and down, left and right, all over place. Like he, uh-huh. I feel like he really overestimated himself. Well, maybe not really because like no, he, because he, he, he told Foltis, he, he was like, look, I may die. Like he's like, I may not make he's it. He's like, I ain't a dumb man. Right. I may not be a smart man, <laughs> but I know what death is. I don't, I don't know that I had to pay for a, a three day bender with a prostitute, but I know that <laughs> I will not probably make it through this fight. I know I can leave my horse and come ashore <laughs> and repay my debts. So... <laughs> <laughs> in this fight scene like she's like knocking the shit out of him she's like throwing him into the walls and like pinning him down right. on the floor and at one point like she's like on top of him and he's like 
Hail Mary pass. He uses his a sign, and I'm thinking it's Ard, pushed down the floor, and it collapses underneath him. But why he did that, it smashes all of his elixirs. And I'm thinking at this point, like, dude's like shit out of luck because his elixirs are supposed to, like, he's supposed to keep retaking them because they fade over time. I need my Tito's. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to drink just one shot of, of, of tea. Okay, real quick. What would your top two elixirs? Mine would be Tito's and Red Bull. What was yours? I would probably have a shot of Patron. Just two shot, two, two Patrons. Those would be my two elixirs. Just Patron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm going to fight this tree guy. We got this. You got Tito's. I got, oh, I got t- t- Tito's. You got Patron. Got Red Bull. Look, we're good. Liquid courage. Like, we may not make it out alive, but we're going to think we are. It <laughs> gets me through my day, and that's, that's enough. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your whole random street. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. Gerald is getting his ass beat with the Striga. Like, this is not a good look for Gerald right now. <laughs> like, I would not put this on his resume at all. <laughs> He's like, God, I hope Triss isn't watching. <laughs> Ooh, God, that would be embarrassing. Did, did you notice that, that quick cut scene of Gerald's brass knuckles with the little wolf heads on it? Did you see that? Yeah. That was pretty that was awesome. Good. Like, Gerald's been fighting for hours. He's like, I'm tired. My ass is kicked. I think I, I lost all my, my elixirs. My elixirs are gone. I think I broke my tailbone. Like, something's cracked. My ribs are broken. Like, I'm tired. I know that pain of a tailbone break. Right. I got to pay this lady back. I need this money. I can't die. Like, I, my horse is over here being held. Roach is going to kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, the sun is, like, starting to come up. And Geralt's like, this is it. Like, I've been fighting her all night. Like, now I just got to jump into the crypt. I got to close the sarcophagus and then he seals it i think he's sealing it with the side yurd is it yurden or erden how would you Yurd- pronounce that y-r-d-e-n erden erden so erden you're asking me i can't pronounce i can't pronounce that. anything either so erden <laughs> or yurden is a simple sign magic used by witchers when inscribed on a solid surface it blocks the monster from getting close it scares them off so i think that's what he used to like seal the um, sarcophagus um mm-hmm. from Astriga. I was watching it today, that episode, and it was so funny watching that scene where he's they both like the sun's coming up and they look at each other and it's like that fifty yard line <laughs> from the football game and they're like running and they get to the end and he like elbows her in the face and knocks her out. It's just like <laughs> flag on the play. Geralt. <laughs> At the same <laughs> time it was funny, but it also like kind of killed the seriousness of the moment because it did because it was just like a slow motion like flying right. in the air and he's like boom <laughs> right exactly like i picture him on the also, football field with her not to get off topic but i i need to go back a little bit what's to stop him just to going back and taking roach who's watching roach that guy he's scared of him now just go take it and leave you don't need to get this money also my other question is why didn't he just seal off the place get in the sarcophagus a while ago seal it with the urdin sign and just go to sleep like why did he need to fight her for six hours okay 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 so last question why are we not witchers and why were we not doing this yesterday so we're gonna hear the rooster crow three times and Geralt's gonna slowly emerge from the crypt we don't know how he's still alive but he is so the curse is successfully broken yay Geralt Woo-hoo! and then did it boo the girl goes to check on the girl who's now in human form she pulls out her rooster crow claw because she's like chicken and she like slashes at him then they start fighting she bites him in the neck, almost rips out his jugular, and Geralt, like, slashes her, like, whatever. Like, they they both, like, hurt each other pretty bad. 
Geralt like, like a little bitch fight just happened. A little bitch fight just happened, but this little girl just handed his ass back to him for the fifth time, and he's laying on the ground, gasping for air, dying, bleeding out. And then we see him wake up, and Triss is saving his life, but Geralt's all like, Renfi, Renfi, Suke! No. Phyllis. <laughs> I mean, he could have just said Suki in there, that would have been great. So Triss is like, okay, you're crazy. Whatever. Uh, I love you. I just Geralt. saved you. Yeah. But like, poor, poor Triss. She's just trying. And he's like, where's Renfries? And he, she's like, what? <laughs> Sit your ass down. You just lost a lot of blood. Right. Like, just she's chill just out, dude. And, but, okay. First of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, I have a couple things to say about this uh-huh. little scene right here, Barb. Why is Geralt so hung up on Renfrey? I think it's just, it's a guilt thing with him. Is it because he didn't save, him. he couldn't save Renfrey, but he ended up saving this princess? I think, I think that had a lot more to do with it than they're trying to tie Renfrey in with Siri. Like, it's not, Renfrey was always like this dark cloud that hung over him because he tried really hard to get her to stop. He didn't want her to, to die. He didn't want her to kill people. Like, he went above and beyond trying to, like, interfere with that whole situation like he could have just walked away but he didn't and it i think that always sat with him because even after she died he was, he took that really hard not that they had like a love affair or anything like that i think it was just more of a fact that he failed he could he failed and he didn't necessarily see her as a monster he was just trying to do the right thing and he failed at that and he's guilty this was he feels his... guilty that he saved ada but he didn't save Renfrey in the end right yeah. and this is where you're gonna see later his redemption with saving siri that's why siri becomes such not just because she's the child surprise or whatever the hell they called it it's because it's his chance to to do something right and to 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 save someone who needs to be saved he couldn't do it for renfrey but he's gonna help whoever he can after that point maybe 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 i'm reaching but that's kind of how i took it and that's why like renfrey keeps coming up in this episode because renfrey was a princess and he couldn't do anything and he ended up getting her killed or killing her because he did stab her but i think it's just like it's guilt yeah it's guilt 100 percent. so i do kind of want to go off topic for a second do it. I want to go back to the book real quick. Not to be annoying, but you know. No, do it. I like the book. In the book, Velarad is taking care of Geralt immediately after the Striga attack. And then Geralt goes to visit Elander and Mela tells Mel, I tells Temple, and Neneke nurses him back to health. And Neneke, I love this bitch, Barb. I'm going to read a quote from Neneke. She says, quote, it's terrible to let yourself be slashed like this by an ordinary Striga. Muscles tendons she only just missed your carotid artery great melatite Geralt what's happening to you how did she get so close to you what did you want to do with her to mount her oh she's sassy yes I like Neneke so Neneke just a quick background on who she is she's a priestess of melatite and the indisputable head of the temple of melatite in Alander. A Neneke's pharmacy was renowned for its potions, elixirs, salves, ointments, um, some of which herbs are required and they can only be grown in this crystal roofed greenhouse that she has on the temple grounds. It's awesome. I am really sad that we missed out on Neneke and the temple of Alander in the show. I feel like they cut her out basically at this point by having Triss being the one to take care of Geralt because that's where Neneke right. would come into play. Neneke did treat Geralt like an auntie and she knew him since he was like he's young and I feel like it's really a shame to have skipped over the storyline for Geralt especially because so much of his personality comes out with Neneke and she's mm-hmm. such a maternal figure in his life. So I mean hopefully maybe season two they can work her in somehow but there is a little bit nice. I mean we are straying off the storyline and I understand you have to cut characters 
from the book. Like, you can't have everybody in, in the show. Like, it's just not possible. You, just, you, you can't do yeah. it. Yeah, which I understand. But I really enjoy Alander and, and Geralt back and forth in the books because she's there a lot. Like, she's, like, very present with him. And she's, like, sassy with mm-hmm. him. And she's like, boy, you're just trying to get it. Like, calm your shit. Trying to put your dick back in your pants. Right. This is like the end of Geralt's story in this in this episode. You know, Geralt almost dies. Getting to my girl. Getting to my girl. Yeah, Sorry. right. Geralt almost <laughs> dies. Estriga, she lives. She's freed. Like everything's like back to normal in the kingdom of you know incest. So now we are rolling into Yennefer's storyline, and I love it. And Barb, do you want to go ahead and take off on this? I do because I feel like this show should just be called Yennefer, <laughs> the Witcher's Tale. <laughs> Fucking love Yennefer. You're never gonna take Yennefer away from me. That's my. That's my boo. Sure boo. I'm more sure boo. I'm more vested in Yennefer's story than I'm in Geralt's any day. Which I, I don't know which why. I, it works well for us because I'm super into Geralt's storyline, so I feel like we can I just love I love Yennefer. I don't know. <laughs> She's so interesting to me and her storyline is more captivating. Because like Geralt's all over the fucking place. Not saying I don't like Geralt and his storyline. It's just he's so all over the place it's hard for me to follow. But Yennefer, it's very cut and dry from the beginning. Like we're following her from her like her very like becoming, you know. Which is interesting is. because in the books, like you don't know any of that back there like there's no background right. for Yennefer in the book. So I do I, I totally I agree. do like that the show is giving us some glimpse or some information for Yennefer's background because I never knew any of this information. So I right. really enjoyed it. Like I like Yennefer a lot. I just I'm more into Geralt overall, I think. We're gonna open up on Yen's story and she's with Istrid and they were hooking up with like a crowd of people watching them. Like, like kink. Know. Like, what is that? Why? I don't know why. Maybe that just helped Yennefer feel confident in her hunchback body. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Let me just have a bunch of people look at me. Look at my hunchback. <laughs> Watch it. And then when they finished and, like, everyone's, like, standing ovation, like, clapping. I was like, mm. That's weird. But whatever. Kudos. 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 Do, do you. Do you. Do you, We're in quarantine. Jennifer. People are drinking at 9 a.m. Jennifer, you have people watch. Whatever you want We're to do. We're watching Tiger King. We're listening to <laughs> Joe Exotic on YouTube. You do you. I'm not judging at all. So we really like this line from Jennifer. She's speaking to Istrid and she said, Remember that scared girl who tumbled at your feet in this cave, totally unaware of her power? I want to go back home to Erdin and never be her again. God damn. Damn it. Yes, Yennefer. Yes, Yennefer. I mean, like, what a feeling for Yennefer. Like, she was the, the town joke of Aridin. She was known as, well, I mean, Tizia called her the pig. The town called her the hunchback. <laughs> Don't poke the pig. Don't poke the Don't pig. Don't poke the pig. And then as <laughs> Yen, to be fully transformed and to, quote, fix her hunchback and everything they ever tease her about. She's going back home. She's more assured. She's confident. She's powerful. How much hope she must feel in this very moment to upstage the people who treated her, including her, quote, father, like absolute shit. Like, she's like, bitch, come see me now. Send right. me home. Let me, like, ghoul the fuck up in front of them. Let me fuck my boyfriend in the farm in front of all you pigs. Right. However, 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 this kind of kills me. I don't feel like the show has shown in any way Yen's power up to this point. Like, all she's done is 
fuck Istrid and she's failed every test laid before her. Am, mm-hmm. Like, am I missing something? Like, have you, do you feel like we've seen her power yet? Because I feel like nope. we haven't. Like, I've, I, I'm like, okay, this, she kind of sucks. Like, we know that she has some weird unleashed power within her. Right. She could tap into those portals. But she hasn't been. That's about it. So, like, we know she has a lot of power, but she hasn't learned to, like, harness it yet. She's like, oh, I'm so great. I'm so powerful. I'm so amazing. But I'm like, no, you're kind of not. Like, at this point, like, I just feel like she's not. Not that I don't love her mm-hmm. or think she's great. I just feel like the show's not really setting us up in that sense for her. Yeah, they, I mean, they did take a long time to get to where she was going to be. But I feel like this is the episode where, towards the end, we finally got to where she was going to be. To look at it in, like, perspective views, like, you know, this is only episode three. We were introduced to her, what, episode two? Yeah. One, two. Not even the full episode two. And then we have her again in episode three, and then, boom, you know, we're gonna get her full potential. But then you'll see it again in the next episode, which we'll get into later. But, I mean, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. Like, it's just, it, it was frustrating to watch her because, like, me watching her as someone who's played the video games, I was expecting so much more from Yennefer, and then it's like, who is this person? She can't do shit. Right. <laughs> but it's like, I liked her. I, I, I've always, I, I liked her in the show. I liked the, the actress, and I liked the, the character and her lines and the story that they built around her. I felt it was interesting and relatable, but it was frustrating watching it, just trying to compare it to, like something that you knew in your brain of the character and it's like it wasn't living up to it it was like this is kind of boring like do something blow blow some fire at your ass i I don't know do something like that's (laughs) i feel like that's what's frustrated i think me the most i'm like they're amping her up for something that we haven't seen yet and i was like well it's kind of weird like i really enjoyed this scene so when yen first met with gilton gilton gilting however you want to say that guilt i don't fucking know he's there for your dream makeover like he's like you know you want bigger boobs smaller butt well who wants a small butt everyone wants that big juicy butt you want the booty you want to get rid of the hunchback i am your queen i'm here for you look at all these dresses i'm gonna pull up around you it's gonna spin around it's magical you just fucking pick what you want give me your ovaries and we're good like you know (laughs) just give me your ovaries and life will be grand i mean that's the fair exchange right you have ultimate beauty and eternal life apparently just give me your ovaries when we first meet him this is what he says to her he says let me be candid you are a first draft of what nature intended yes lucky for you I am the final artist. He did not perform the transformation, though, just yet. He's just kind of looking at her. He's like, hmm, I see a lot of things. You got a lot of shit to fix here, girl. It's going to take me a while. <laughs> so Tizia meets with Yen during this transformation discussion. And this is one of those scenes where it's like, Tizia's kind of a... She's a bitch. Bitch. She's a She's a bitch, pokes the pig a lot. And this is one of those scenes where she's more of like a motherly figure, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoy this altercation between the two. And she pretty much tells Yennefer that there's not a person alive that does not look in the mirror and sees some form of disformity. Except for us. We remake ourselves on our terms. The world has no say in it. Look, you can free the victim in the mirror forever. Imagine the most powerful woman in the world. Her hair, the color of her eyes, but also the strength of her posture, the poise of her entire being. Do you see her? And then she touches the mirror and tells Yen to open her eyes. And Tissia says, she is stunning. 
referring to Yennefer. And Yen looks into the mirror. Do you think Tizia put a spell on the mirror or she that Yennefer actually saw like her true self? When will my reflection <laughs> show who, who I am inside? I don't know. Christine Aguilera. I don't know. You are beautiful. No matter what <laughs> I say. <laughs> where, no, so I really, I, I don't know. So I was a little confused in this scene also. I feel like Tissia was just trying to like send like a message to Yennefer. Like you don't need to change everything about yourself. Like she's like, mm-hmm. look, like, like I feel like she was trying to guide her in the right direction. Like don't go so far down the path that nobody knows who you are. Try to keep the key elements of yourself. Like you don't need mm-hmm. to change everything. Like keep who you are we'll we'll get to her transformation later but i think yennefer did yeah i do too she fixed the things that were going to inhibit her from being a powerful sorceress that she was destined to be because everyone was so focused on like her admirality right and they didn't they weren't focusing on like the beauties that she has and i think that tessia was pointing that out she's like look you have beautiful eyes your hair color is gorgeous Mm -hmm. just the posture of yourself that's all you need to like basically i just feel like she was like look you don't need to change everything like please Mm -hmm. don't lose yourself i have such a hard time with tessia's character and i maybe towards the end of the series of the season like i started coming around more towards her i just i didn't understand her like it felt like she was just this aggressive bully that yennefer just she didn't need that like i mean i understand she she needed she needed to be provoked she needed that kick in the butt to be bigger right than what she was i guess but she never got there it was just it just seemed like so demeaning and just kicking someone when they're already down it seemed unnecessary so now we're finally getting to the point where tizzy is more of like this figure that yennefer is starting to respect right i didn't understand tizzy's point I, as yennefer progressed in school i think tizzy really opened up to her more and you could see like her actual character as like who she really is and she was I feel like she is like a pretty humane individual and she likes people and she's like look you don't need to be like a solar person like you're pretty great as who you are but yet you were Mm -hmm. calling me pig and you're making fun of me for trying to kill myself so and that's why I'm like is she a good teacher I don't know because I feel like a lot of the things that Yennefer learns from here on out is her own like it's her own intuition it's her own ability to adapt and to study the things around her to make her a strong sorceress like I don't feel like any of that was really Tissia's doing Tissia was just kind of there just to aggravate her and bring out the anger and the chaos but she didn't I don't feel like she ever she never really guided her like you don't really see her guide her and that's where it kind of irritates me it's like maybe they're trying to make her be like her her shaman like this was Yennefer's shaman like this is her guide for for everything but she didn't really do it or it's just shortcomings in writing like it's just a bad script on tizia's part like she's just written as a poor character you know which is i and i don't i don't i don't recall in the books because i haven't really gotten to yennefer too much in the book it's, this is not in the books she's she's not in the book at all tizia no this this whole thing this whole background on on yen is not in the books so this is completely made and, up and, and this is where i go back and forth with it then because i really love yennefer's backstory but Tissia is like a really irritating person. I just feel like this version of Tissia was just poorly written. I, that's all I can come up with. I just feel like it's a poorly written character right now. Because even, cause even with like Istrid, like I like Yennefer and Istrid, even though he's probably like completely original too. Like I, I mean, I don't really know, but it, I'm just thinking he is. If, 
And if that's the case, like, I really do like their interactions together. I like that he brings out another side of Yennefer. You get to see the soft and subtle he's side not, of her. He's not a completely made-it character, but their backstory is not known like it is in this way. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's, he's a bad person either. I think he's, he's a, he's a true friend for her, even though, you know, he kind of betrays her a little bit, but that yeah, was just more because... I don't want to jump ahead too much, but we do see him later and they reconnect and I feel like it's not all bad blood. So after this whole altercation with Tizia, Yennefer is bound for Iridin, and which is her homeland. But Stregobor steps in, <laughs> stating that Yen would cause harm because Iridin trades with Sintra and is their largest trade partner. And since, do you like that inflection? And <laughs> since Sintra has a strong hatred of elves, which Yennefer is half. Elvin. Quarter. Quarter. Sorry. I don't know my math. I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> she got purple eyes. She's a fucking Targaryen. Shut the fuck Fucking where's her dragon me. at? Tell me other one. Fight me on the streets Fight for that. me. <laughs> it would be a conflicting interest, and it would not be good for Yennefer to be sent there as an advisor to the crown. Also, Sintra isn't fond of mages and sorceresses, as they prefer to hire druids for their court. The council is trying to keep their peace with Sintra as much as possible. Side note. Wasn't the druids, maybe I'm wrong because I'm drunk and I haven't played it forever. Was that the, the skeleton zombie things in Skyrim? Or did they have another name? I think you're right, but I can't remember. I'm going to find this shit. Droger! 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 That's it. Droger! Droger! Sorry, we can get back on. Drinking. We can get back on. Drogers. I'm sorry. So the council then agrees and votes to send Yennefer to Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard. Instead of Fringilla. Erden, fucking mouthful of names. I hate it. It's like the Bubenberg. You know how much I hate that fucking word. Yen is considerably upset. She seeks power and feels that Nilfgaard will hold her back. If that would hold anybody back, that name. I hate that name. Stating the king would rather fondle the court sorceress than listen to her counsel. Wow. So Yennefer is going to eventually find out that Istrid, Istrid, Told Stregavor that she was quarter elf while they were fucking, because he was spying. <laughs> and she flips her shit on him, and they argue. Blah 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 blah. No one fucking cares, because everyone's garbage in the storyline except Yennefer. She deserves better. So because of this, Yennefer misses her graduation. So Istra teases her that she wouldn't be able to be transformed into a beauty like she wanted, because she missed everything, because she's sitting in the crypts and drawing on a piece of parchment. Like, what the fuck's going on right now, guys? <laughs> I mean, like, she was, like, literally sitting there like Gollum, just scribbling on, like, a little piece of... Like, what were you doing? What were you doing, Yennefer? Anyways, Yennefer's like, yeah, well, you think so? Watch me. I will prove y'all mother effers wrong. I am not afraid. I will do what I need to do. So in the show, <laughs> they remove her womb and they turn it into a paste and they paint that shit all over her body to transform herself. Why? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out. Like, Because she had to give a life 
To have a life. That's what he said. He's like, in order to have this life, you must give a life. But what I'm trying to figure out, like, my question in this whole equation of things is, why was it such a big deal that she missed initiation and transformation with the rest of the class and she just got it done either way? Well, I think it was more because she went in there and basically told him he had to do it. So, for me, I feel like he did it anyways because he, because if you recall in the beginning when he first met Yen, he said, quote, every girl I enchant leaves Artuza is a living work of art no matter how challenging the clay so i feel like he mm-hmm. agreed to do it anyways because he probably could have gotten in trouble for doing it without having permission right. but i feel like he did it because it would have been such an accomplishment for him to actually transform someone like yennefer that's a really good point i didn't think about that i thought it was more because yennefer was like just fucking do it no so, <laughs> no because like Isher was like haha you missed your graduation you'll never get transformed like because like he was he was implying that's only done during graduation and so right. he was teasing her that she missed her graduation because they were fighting he's like well you're never going to be beautiful so fuck you but bitch went and got done anyways I'm like so that was just like a wasted scene basically but mm-hmm. I was like okay so bad writing aside maybe he was just maybe he did it anyways because he felt she was challenging and he wanted to prove that he could transform her regardless mm-hmm. and so like the herbs he was like I, don't, I need time to prepare them he's like I don't have it prepared I wasn't ready for you and she's like fuck it you're gonna write songs about me just fucking do fucking it fucking do it yeah but I wanted to bring up in the books it is interesting to note um, when Geralt first meets Yennefer in the books he can still notice irregularities of Yen's appearances despite the transformation that she went through quote he saw her left shoulder slightly higher than her right her nose slightly too long her lips a touch too narrow, her chin receding a little too much, her brows a little too irregular, her eyes, he saw too many details, quite unnecessarily. And that's page 236 of The Last Wish. Of course, we all know Garrett has like sharp eyes and he can pick up on small details very easily. And I just Mm -hmm. like that the books was like, okay, well, she's still not like this perfect being at the end. But Garrett still loved her. He did. He don't care. She's not like gooseberries and lilac. He don't care. Garrett's like, we're going to bang. We're going to do it. Give him that unicorn. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing I did like uh, in the, in the show was like the the wailing and the, and the agony comparisons because during Yen's transformation scene, we were flashing between that and the Striga who was being transformed back into a girl. That's right. I enjoyed the transformation and the discomfort we experienced between both characters simultaneously. Also, it can't be ignored that both women were nude in these scenes, but I I felt like it accentuated their vulnerability during these scenes and the change and and the terror that they were undergoing. Right. Both of them were laying on the floor. Yen's covered in her own blood. The Strigo's covered in like muck and mud and whatever the fuck else is on the floor there. They both end up surviving their transformation and the various forms of like spells and curses and enchantments that were uh, placed upon them like during this time. They're flashing back and forth and like Yen's screaming because she didn't have any drugs to like null the pain and then like the streak is screaming because she's being transformed i mean you know same thing like there's no drugs involved for her either and so like they're both flashing back and forth they're both screaming they're both like in pain on the floor like naked and i really like i know some people were like that's sexist like why does one need to be nude like they could have been covered and you know whatever you could have right had the same message go across but it wasn't done in a way where it was like it wasn't sexual it wasn't sexual yeah. at all. It was like a, like you said, it was a vulnerability. It was like this, this rawness to it, like ultimate transformation on, on both ends. It didn't feel sexualized to me at all watching that. No, no. I- now there's scenes from like, you know, we can go back to like Game of Thrones and watch women being naked on the scene. It was all just overtly sexual and it was annoying to watch that. But like this, this was different. Like 
This is just like raw female beauty. Yeah. Why does it have to be sexual? Why does a naked woman need to be sexual? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. So after she transforms... Yen just like comes into the ball like, what's up, bitches? Can can I say I've never? I mean, I've only seen like a few, but did you get Harry Potter vibes? Oh, totally. On the ball, yeah. Like the music and and the scene, like it, it was very Harry Potter like. Like I felt like this was Hermione like coming down the stairs like the Yule Ball, and at the bottom of the stairs like Harry and Ron like staring at her like, oh my god, you're actually beautiful. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. This is a Harry Potter moment. I yes. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great i was happy for her she had her moment she's like oh, you know what y'all doubted me guess what guess what i did oh natural like we forget our main focus in this whole story is theory but we're, we're so caught up like siri oh siri like it does like a quick like cut scene to siri and I'll be honest with you, Barb, I don't remember what she's doing in this episode. <laughs> They're in that fucking forest with those people, and then her... Oh, shit, was, what was the guy's name? The elf, the elf guy that she was with? The one that helped her? Oh, Rat Boy. Rat Boy! But no, he has a real I know. name. I forgot I his name. Know but they, the, the people in the forest... I don't remember their names either. Oh my god, we're so bad. It's, but to be honest, their story is irrelevant, and doesn't stick with me, and it should... But they just fucking drop the ball, and I feel like in the story, but the people, the women in the forest, um, they make them drink some water to like tell their truths, and Rat Boy drinks it, and Siri was like hesitant to drink it, and Rat Boy's like, just drink it, it's fine, I did it, but then it just kind of cuts out. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it wasn't significant any at all. That's probably why Siri, I made no. Siri's not really. It. Yeah, she's she's not really in this episode. No. So I did find an interview with um sapkowski the author of the original witcher books oh. <laughs> you know i'm not gonna read the whole thing i'm not you guys can look it up online for yourself we'll link it in the blog but the only the only thing that i really wanted to bring to light was this one question it said how would you compare the witcher show to the video games what are the advantages and disadvantages of each medium and sapkowski said i cannot compare anything to video games because i've never played any i mean okay he said, like <laughs> he said, since I was a kid, I hadn't played any games with a possible exception of bridge and poker. Video games are simply not for me. I prefer books as entertainment. Anyway, in my opinion, TV series and video games, any of them cannot be compared. He said they are too different in approach, making and objective. You cannot compare spaghetti carbonara with a bicycle, even though both have advantages and disadvantages. So, and I found that really interesting because people are comparing the book and the show. And I'm not defending the show. I'm not. Because I, too, have found inconsistencies with the writing and I'm not happy with all the way the storylines are going out. But people need to understand, like, they're trying to stitch with these short story novels these comics all together and make it like like they're trying to put it into like a cohesive order because if you read the books it like makes some fucking sense in the beginning you're like what the fuck am i reading like who are these people right. it's confusing mm -hmm. so they're trying to a make it cohesive b make it a linear storyline mm -hmm. and c keep viewers interested because the whole point of having a show mind you is to be green lighted for the next season so you know you need to generate interest from all sorts of people and right now i feel like they are doing like a target audience 
because they are buffering from the tail end of Game of Thrones. And I feel like they are trying to like pick up those fans and bring them into the world of The Witcher because half these people probably never read The Witcher stories. And I just feel like people are being too hard on on the show. And I think that was Sapkowski's like point. He was like, it's not the same. It's not never going to be the same. You know, mm-hmm. like the games are not the same as my books. And this fucking show certainly isn't going to be. So I feel like he doesn't care. And so I think we should just take it with a grain of salt and try to enjoy the medium for what it is instead of trying to just tear it down because it's not exactly the same way the books are written. I don't disagree with that. And, you know, we we like to draw comparisons between the books and the games and the show where we feel like pivotal scenes really nailed it maybe more of like the scenes if like you're a diehard fan and you're watching and you've read the books played the games like stuff you want to see in the show they're they're bringing those those small sections in you know what i'm saying like it's not the whole thing but at least you get a little highlight of it just for excitement like oh fuck like they actually did that like that's like that's amazing and like we like to to compare them to help or to help bring understanding into the show or to be like hey look all these three things they all lined up like look how cool this is like look at all this information Mm -hmm. we can pull from all these different resources that we have i never expected going into this that it was going to be 100% 100% accurate to the books like I never did no, no that's not what I'm here for and a lot of people who are Witcher fans of the books I'm going off on a tangent they're Dude, <laughs> I went on a tangent about Yennefer you do this <laughs> just spewing so much hate for the show and they're not they're going into it closed-minded and mm-hmm. then they're just like completely tearing it down mm-hmm. without regards of just enjoying the show for what it is and you know like and Game of Thrones wasn't completely to the storyline, but maybe I can understand where some of these fans are coming from because that would be like, I'm trying to be devil's advocate here. I'm trying to see it from both sides of the story here. That's like regular fans of Game of Thrones being like, season eight wasn't that bad. I don't know. Is this show that bad? Like, is this show, is this, is this whole show season eight of Game of Thrones? Like, I can't, I can't. I I can't figure this out. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. It's like you said, I think a lot of people that this show is going to garner interest with are the people that have read the books or have played the games. Not many people are going to be drawn to the show if they have no idea what it's about. Like if they have no idea that there is a video game or all the books or the graphic novels or whatever, like just like Game of Thrones. Do you see how long it took for that show to kick off? Like the first season did pretty good, but it didn't really get a lot of hits with people until season three. So I think it's just, People just don't understand what it is. It's annoying. And, like, we do it, but, like, and not saying, like, we stand alone. Like, I'm sure other people do the same things, too. Like, we can compare things but still enjoy it. Like, we we like to find similarities in things that we watch and that we read and that we play. But we can still enjoy it as a face value, as a show, as, like, a Netflix show, as entertainment. Like, it's, it's fun to watch. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. There's a lot of things that going back and rewatching it and, again... Game of Thrones, I've done it with them too. I've rewatched it so many times. I can go through all the seasons and tell you all the things that irritate me. I have like, I have a laundry list of things that irritate me with that show. But I do it with Witcher 2 now. Like, it's not like I hate it. I still love it. I'll still watch it. I'll still support it. But there's things now I'm going back and I'm like, mm, it's not that great. But I will say the first season has captivated me enough to want to see more. The writers, um... <sighs> Which we didn't even we didn't even talk about this. Sorry. Um. So this was <laughs> this episode was directed by Alex Garcia Lopez and it was written by Bo DeMeo or DeMaio. Bo DeMaio. One of the writers she um did episode one two. Her name I think is Lauren. So Lauren Schmidt. She she apparently is doing like a lot of writing for 
all these episodes right now. And she is very active on Twitter. If you guys want to hit her up or talk to her, she does respond. She takes like Q&As. She'll answer questions and explain why they wrote things out a certain way and she does answer fans and and responds to them and takes like a lot of their suggestions into consideration it just makes me sad because I should really get off of reddit I just read too much negative (laughs) I read too many negative reviews of people just like shitting on her and saying how awful she is and how terrible of a writer she is and yeah, you should get off of Reddit. Yeah. And it's something with the Reddit culture. Like, I love Reddit, but I feel like a lot of times, like, it's very misogynistic. And not to discredit her. Like, it's one thing to hear it from the side. Like, we don't we don't know what it's like to be a writer in Hollywood. Right. We don't know the expectations of a film crew and, you know, whoever's sponsoring it. Like, we don't know what that's like. Like, she's, she's held a lot of restrictions, too, probably. They were like, you need to cut this. Like, we can't have all this shit. Like, there's, there's so much that goes into it. And a lot of the negativity that comes out and, like, the bad reviews and stuff, it's all from people online. And it's just because people can sit there and be keyboard warriors and say what they want to say and not suffer any consequence from it and it's kind of annoying and again everyone can have their opinions I'm not hating on that but I feel like anytime like a woman is in charge or writing or directing people really just like to come for them of course yeah and not that and not and I'm not saying that it's not bad writing because again there's things that we don't like with some of these episodes, but it's not like we're coming at them like, oh, this just sucks. Like, no, there's things in here that we like. We'll pick out the stuff that we enjoy, but I'm going to tell you the details that I didn't like. Like, we'll critique it fairly. Be fair. Be fair. Be honest and be fair. Like, you know, if you really hate it, then fine. Write your hateful review. Trash it completely, but go in there, you know? Explain to me why you hate it. Well, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, visit our website, support us on Patreon. Oh, can I say the thank you to those who have recently reviewed and left, left us five Yay, stars? Thank you. Yeah, because we, did we get a few love it. You don't, and and if, and if you want to just throw in a review there, that'd be great too. But just even if you can just hit five stars, even the five stars, because we've we've gotten a couple um, in the past. We went from three to ten in the past month, month and a half. So that's been great. Go us. <laughs> we're we're but small small folks with a small following, but I'm thankful for everything that we get. Yes, and every time we get a new one we get so excited to share it with each other. Uh thanks for listening guys and you have a great night. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and support us on Patreon for bonus material. Check out our website, fireandwinepodcast.com for more information about this episode and more. It contains tropane alkaloids, which produce a halada... Hallogenic properties <laughs> and may be severely toxic. Hallucinogenic. Hallucinogenic, Hallucinogenic properties <laughs> and may be highly toxic. why we need to be together. (laughs) This is why we can't be apart. (laughs)